Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. We're here to give you resources to make your life with your cat more rewarding and, of course, behavior-free. That's what this show is all about because Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing you education that reduces rehoming of cats by intercepting those problems in the home before you ever decide to take your cats to the shelter because shelter euthanasia is still the number one cause of death in cats in the United States, and we're trying to make a dent in that number. So if you'd like to help keep us on the air, we are a nonprofit. Please consider making a donation. You can find a link to PayPal on our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org. Any amount helps keep this information flowing to you free of charge. And today I'm joined by my co-host, the handsome Dewey Vaughn. Hello, Dewey. <laughs> hello, beautiful Molly. And hello, cat fans. And uh, we'd like to thank everyone who responds back to our podcasts and gives us information. And we happen to have someone that did respond back last week. Um, Kim Pierce and her daughter were on a trip and they had decided to binge listen to the podcasts uh, on their road trip. And they were listening to the nutrition episode, which is kind of interesting. There's a very interesting episode. They had a question though, Molly. Um, you recommended to not feed fish. What is, can you clarify that for them? Yeah, sure. So Kim, I hope you're listening again. Kim is a, is a real great supporter of Cat Behavior Solutions. And, uh, and she reached out and emailed to me saying that her daughter had heard in, in the program that I did not recommend feeding, um, fish and and she had missed the reasons why so in case you listen to that and we might have rushed over that i want to i want to recap that here there are basically five reasons that that i don't like feeding fish to cats <clears throat> the first is that fish is highly addictive to cats and they'll get to where that's all they eat and these other four reasons are why that's not okay so the first reason is that fish has a really high allergy potential, much like wheat gluten. Fish is, has, is one of the leading causes of, of allergic reactions in cats, and that looks like skin irritations, um, irritable bowel disorder, um, sometimes even asthma. Um, another reason is that fish, just like you hear for us, uh, can be high in toxins, mercury contamination, and things like that. And then another real big one, this one's probably my, well, this one and the last one are probably my biggest reasons, but the PBDEs found in fish. Now, these are actually fire retardant chemicals, and fish get them from swimming in polluted waters, which, of course, that's pretty much all we have anymore, polluted waters. They eat plastic and, and the pollution that's in the water. And, and these PBDEs, it's very important because these are 
potent thyroid disruptors. So, you know, a mild exposure to these over long periods of time have pointed to hyperthyroidism in cats, which is spiked hugely in the 70s when we started using these fire retardant chemicals on carpets and furniture and and things like that. So, um, and of course, your cat lives low to the ground on carpets and furniture, and it licks its feet after walking and sitting on those things. So your cat can be ingesting low quantities of this um, just in your environment alone. So you don't want to increase that potential with fish. And then the final reason is that fish are high in phosphorus and magnesium, which is problematic certainly for older cats. And in high concentrations, the kidney functions, um, it becomes difficult for the kidneys to process a lot of phosphorus and magnesium. So in case you missed that, those were the reasons. But this show is not about nutrition. <laughs> this show today is about how to spot subtle signs of illness in your cat, which this kind of this kind of alludes to. So, um, so thanks for asking that, Dewey. Yeah, and thank you to the those that listen to our podcast. And if you happen to have any kind of information or questions that you would like Molly to answer on the show, then please just respond uh, to us at Molly at CatTalkRadio.com. If you've had any kind of situation that uh, has affected your cat, where, whereby you listen to the show and you've tried to implement it and it didn't work, or it does work, we would like to hear that from you. So if you've had any kind of influence uh, by Cat Behavior Solutions blog, or maybe Molly has consulted with you, or you've just heard it on our podcast, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And as Molly said... Today, we're going to be talking about how to spot subtle signs of illness in your cat. And I imagine, just like with people, if you catch a disease early, it's easy to fix and treat. Is that right, Molly? Yeah, of course. That That's absolutely true in any species. But, you know, more importantly, the reason why I wanted to do this topic today is because cats don't show pain or weakness. You know, cats are are both predator and prey, and as a prey species, they really are kind of walking around the earth, always looking for what's going to eat them and what's going to kill them. And so when they are in pain, they don't outwardly show that pain. Well, if your cat is like showing outward signs of pain, there's something super critical going on. Rush it to the vet immediately. But cats have, have poker face, so they, they just kind of, they hide all that because they don't want to appear to be weak so that a predator would would isolate them out as as prey and um and and when we go through this today i i want to make it really clear i am not a veterinarian and so all of this stuff that we talk about today if you're seeing these signs in your cat um absolutely please please take your cat to your vet right away because um, I'm not going to really give you any holistic treatments. I'm just going to point out to you today what these symptoms might be and you need to get your cat to the vet. You know, less than 50% of people take their cats to the vet and that's just sad because 
you know, just like us, as we go in for those annual diagnosis and physical exams and our colonoscopies and our, you know, EKGs and all that stuff that we do annually, sometimes those things catch early signs of some serious diseases. And the same thing with your cat. Your cat has to see the vet at least once a year because Tabasco's 15, I take him twice a year because I want to monitor those blood panels. I want to catch any of the common geriatric diseases in in cats like hyperthyroidism or kidney failure or liver disease or, you know, like just this last time, actually, Dr. Lavender said he has a, a heart murmur, which had just shown up, you know, and I had taken him to the vet six months previous. So, you know, now I know and uh, we can start, you know, watching accordingly. So please take your cat to the vet. Yes, absolutely. I think that that's a very uh, important message to continue to say throughout the show is take your cat to the vet because, you know, early signs of things can crop up and we're going to be talking about several of those signs. And um, so do cats obvious have obvious signs of sickness like we do, like sneezing and coughing? Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, they can get colds just like we get colds, but most commonly, and we see this in the shelter a lot because they call a shelter, and and of course, like all animal breeding facilities, they call them concentrated animal units. And anywhere you have a whole big concentration of animals, you have common illnesses that, that outbreak. And an upper respiratory infection is very, very common in cats. And it presents symptoms of sneezing, uh, coughing, you know, runny eyes, mostly really runny eyes. Truly? And, and, and sneezing. No, no, that's a, that's a different thing. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and so if your cat well, the thing about upper respiratory infections in, in cats is that they're, they're more commonly, they're not bacterial. So they don't really respond to antibiotics, although in a shelter setting, we give them antibiotics when we know that they have an upper respiratory infection because even though it's a virus um, and it just needs to run its own course, their immune systems are compromised not only because of the virus, but also because they're in a high high stress environment of being in the shelter in the in the first place. And then other bacterial infections and other things can onset at that time. So we give them antibiotics mostly to, you know, to protect them from from having other things develop. And, you know, it takes just like with us in a cold, it takes about seven days to run its course and, and then they're fine. But, you know, that, um, that upper respiratory infection, a, a viral uh, sickness like that, when I adopted Indiana, who long, long ago passed away, but I adopted him from the SBCA of Texas, and he had an upper respiratory infection, and he had to run his course of meds before I could adopt him and take him home, and um, he always had it. Because it's a virus, it it lives in their nervous system, and so anytime there was a stressful situation, like if I took him to the vet, he would all of a sudden come out with the sneezing and runny eyes and, and his viral infection that lives now in his system permanently would come out and he'd have a cold for a few days. And then it'd go away. It was no big deal. It is contagious. So if you have more than one cat, 
you know, it is important you get your cat to the vet and diagnose what it is. Hopefully, it's as simple as just an upper respiratory infection, and you can isolate that cat, put them on antibiotics, wash your hands after handling them, and then your other other cats won't get it. Now, it's important to note, too, that it is not contagious to people, and it's not contagious to dogs. It's a species-specific virus. But, um, yeah, absolutely, uh, runny eyes and sneezing are and, and coughing are a, a real sign of, of sickness. So get your cat to the vet if you see any of those. Okay, so now let's talk about drooling. Is that in that same category? <laughs> are you drooling over there? <laughs> yeah, drooling. <laughs> yeah, drooling is a funny one. I, uh, I, we stayed in a, Dewey and I stayed in a bed and breakfast this last weekend, and um they had cats. Lady had three cats, and one of her cats came up to me, and I noticed there were drops on my boot. She was rubbing my legs, and I this cat was drooling excessively. And it's it's common when cats are happy and purring and liking things to drool. Some cats drool more than others. I had a little kitten that just would just was like a faucet, man, <laughs> just run out onto you. And it was hard to get him adopted at the shelter because he was such a drooler and a lot of people were opposed to that. But um, but pay attention to what else is going on with drooling. So if you have a cat that drools when it's kneading on you, you know, when they do the little making biscuits with their feet and when they're purring, that's just a, a salivation kind of like us. If we see something we really want to eat or really like, we it. It makes us salivate more. Well, same thing with cats. So don't worry about that too much. But if it's combined with a, a bad smell in the breath, um, definitely time for a, a vet checkup because it could be a dental thing. You know, um, Tabasco, you know, had a dental, serious dental issue recently. And, um, and our foster blueberry, his breath, you know, kind of smells weird it smells different and they're like people every cat's breath you know smells different than the other cat so just notice if there's any changes in that or if it's you know if it's smelling like rotting food or something could be dental issues you know bad breath can also be a sign of diabetes or intestinal issues so you know pay pay attention to what your cat's breath smells like and if you have drooling associated with um, bad breath then I'd say that's something to to definitely check out what about uh, mood so if you're petting your cat and they sure are showing signs of not wanting to be petted pet did I think I said that wrong but uh, petting, <laughs> pet. uh, yeah, pet, 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 petting. Um, you know what? You know what I'm talking about. You're petting your cat, and all of a sudden they just they don't want you to pet them. I mean, they either lash at you or they get up and leave. Or yeah, that can be. I mean, of course, that can be. Um, you know, emotional. I I overstimulate easy. You know, if the cat if the cat's like that, then. You know, you pet them for like the fifth time and they turn around and try to bite you. That could just be that's your cat's tolerance zone. It wants four pets and no more. Um, so it could be just a, a behavioral preference. But it can also be 
a um, a sign that something is hurting them in that location. There's a cat that I saw at the shelter yesterday, Kitty, who, you know, growls and hisses and, and was a bit upset about, oh, he's 17, so I'd be a bit upset about being surrendered to a shelter at 17 also. But um, I was petting along his side, and I noticed there was a big pocket, a big inflammation on his side, and every time I touched it, he'd start growling. And um, so, you know, of course, we put in a vet check for him because we don't know what's going on in that area. But it was very clear that, you know, there was there was pain in a specific area. Now, in that case, there was something physical I could feel, but you don't always feel it. You know, your cat will also show you that it's having discomfort uh, not only when when you touch it, but it can be licking spots on its body. Um you know, like if they lick their bellies. I have a lot of people that say, well, my cat licks its belly and licks all the fur off its belly or on their side. You know, and those are all um, signs of, of discomfort and in that area. So that's the stomach and intestinal area. It could be stress, could be emotional, could could be a stress reaction, but more commonly it's probably an allergy typically to corn or wheat gluten or like we said earlier, could be fish so if your cat is licking itself in a spot on its body, you know, a lot um, where the hair is thinning or something like that, uh, pay attention to that. That could be a sign that it's time for a diet change. So, yeah, definitely if your cat's, you know, cranky with you, especially if you touch it in a particular area, you know, like every time you touch it on its hip or every time you touch it in a specific specific spot, you know, rub your hand up its tail, it turns around and swats at you. That could very well indicate that there's some pain going on in that area. Well, you know, let's expand that for a bit and talk about the eating and the appetite side. If they have an, a loss of appetite or they're eating too much, uh, is that signs of uh, potential issues? Yeah, definitely. Appetite is a is a huge, huge, huge thing to watch. Um, you know, if your cat stops eating, this is critical. It only has a couple days before its kidneys start to shut down. So if your cat stops eating, absolutely get it to the vet immediately. Now, if it misses one meal, you know, don't worry too much about it. But, you know, cats... Cats will stop eating because it hurts. Now, this could be dental issues. So when Tabasco went through his dental thing recently, he 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 turned his nose up at his food that he loves every day. And I thought, well, he's getting old. He's getting picky. And I, I wasn't paying attention to it. He also had some blood work, lab work that came back that indicated he might be starting to have some signs with some kidney issues. Um, which, by the way, later came back as normal. But at the time, I was thinking there were other things going on, so I, I didn't pay any attention to it. So I just kept switching his food. You know, you remember we'd go to the store every other day and buy five different kinds of cat food. Well, in the end, what came out was he had two infected molars. So what was happening was he was eating his food and associating the pain of the of the eating just like we do if we have an infected molar and we eat it hurts and so he was uh, he was associating ow that flavor hurts and then he'd turn his nose up at it and i'd have to feed him something else and that's why the next day he wouldn't eat that the other thing 
that can happen. It could be it could be you and how you're handling feeding. So when you open a can of food and you're feeding them a fourth of it or whatever portion you're feeding and you put a lid on it and you put it in the refrigerator. By the way, always refrigerate canned food. It does have preservatives in it to make it shelf stable. But once you open the can, it needs to be refrigerated just like our food. So you put a can a lid on it and you put it in the refrigerator and then the cat won't eat the rest of the can. Well, the problem is, is when the air comes in contact with the inside of the metal can, it releases a mild, mild flavor and odor that a cat detects and doesn't like. So when you open a can of cat food, after you've taken out that first portion, put the remainder of it in a Tupperware container and put that in the refrigerator. And that will eliminate that tin can flavor that the cats, that the cats don't like. So that could be a simple thing if your cat is just not liking the second and third serving of of food. But a real important thing is monitor your cat's weight. So a real easy way to weigh your cat is to get on the scale and weigh yourself. And if you don't, you know, if you don't commit suicide because it's such a depressing thing, I don't know about you listeners, but our scales are broke, man. They're they're just broke. (laughs) Every time we step on them. I know. I hate (laughs) They seem to get worse. Somebody's dialing up that number. I always tell Dewey, would you weigh the cat, please? Because And I just don't want to do it. It's too depressing. But <laughs> get on there and weigh yourself and then pick up your cat and look at that weight and subtract the two. And that's the weight of your cat. That's that's the best way to weigh your cat at, at home because scales aren't really calibrated for that low, you know, 10, 5 to you know, 15 pound range. So that's how you can tell if your cat's uh, gaining or losing weight. So if your cat's gaining weight and they're getting really fat, this is probably due to what you're feeding them. You're probably feeding some portion of dry food, which is full of carbohydrates. And just like with us, if I eat a bunch of macaroni and cheese, I'm going to get on that scale and it's going to be broke. (laughs) And so, you know, (laughs) that eventually... If I don't get that under control and I become obese, that's going to lead to diabetes. Same thing with cats. And much like people, I think cats don't have an understanding of what's a healthy weight. So many of the companies put out a a body score chart. We use it in the shelter to evaluate cats coming in, their body score, because if they have a very low body score, meaning they're really skinny, then that's a red flag. And if they have a really high body score, they're very obese, that's also a a red flag to us. Um, If you'd like a copy of the body score chart for cats, just shoot me an email, molly at cattalkradio.com. It's real simple. And I'll send it to you. But another, uh, another thing, if your cat loses weight, especially if it's an older cat and it's lost a lot of weight, Um, It could be having hyperthyroidism. And, you know, this is something I've been concerned about with Tabasco because he lost, gosh, like four pounds when he had that dental thing, when he wasn't eating. And since we got the teeth pulled and he's recovered from that, I kept thinking the, the weight would come back on and it's just not coming back on. So we're monitoring him very, very closely. Um, there are lots of thyroid disruptors in food. Um, you know, I, this certainly isn't the case in Tabasco's food because he's on a on a raw diet. Tabasco eats, you know, nothing but either Vital Essentials freeze dried raw rabbit patties in particular, and 
rabbit has the lowest uh, phosphorus level and it's just, it's a really good protein source for cats. But um, but there are thyroid disruptors in food. Like we said earlier, the, the fish, going back to the fish, the PBDs in fish are, are thyroid disruptors and, and there are others. So feeding your cat a good quality food will help some of these things from from happening but you know other signs of hyperthyroidism are increased appetite so your cat will actually just be eating 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 and it's not putting on weight that's a huge red red flag now thyroid hyperthyroidism can be treated there are uh, medications there are pills that you can give your cats. It's, you know, it's not pleasant. You can't grind them up and put them in the food. They don't like the smell or taste of them, but you can pill them. There's also, if you want to go the expensive route, they do irradiate thyroids. Um, cats actually can regrow a thyroid, believe it or not. So once they irradiate the whole thyroid, it, it actually comes back healthier. Um, but hyperthyroidism masks a lot of underlying conditions too. So you need to be a, prepared for heart murmurs to then come out or, you know, all kinds of things. I had a cat with hyperthyroidism and I elected to go do the irradiation, which was about $1,500 at the time. It's It's gone up since then. And as soon as she came out, you know, she had a heart condition and didn't last but another year or so. And in hindsight, I probably should have treated her with the with the pills. I don't know. How do you know? You know what's right? But, but yes, I I'm digressing and and rambling now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but eating and appetite. Those are very, very important things to watch. If they're overeating, you know, weight important. Um, you know, keep a baseline on your cat so that you know, and absolutely you need to know what's a healthy weight for your cat. And there is a you know body fat index level for cats and all that. And if you if you want to go that deep dive, just email me, and I'm happy to share that information with you. Well, I would imagine that that would also roll into drinking more water than normal or less water. I think that that kind of fits right into the eating and appetite stuff. I mean, you got to watch their water consumption, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, watching how much your cat drinks in water is is hugely important. You know, again, this goes back to diet. If you're feeding any portion of dry kibble, your cat is mildly dehydrated and it's drinking a lot of water. Cats are not wired as a species to drink water because they get all the hydration they need, which is a lot, by the way. It's five to 10 ounces of water a day. They get all that from the prey that they eat. So they don't really drink a lot of supplemental water in the wild. They, they drink a lot of water in our homes because we're not feeding them a hydrated enough diet. So especially if you're feeding a canned food and you're adding a little warm water to it or you're feeding like we do the Vital Essentials freeze-dried raw and we crumble up those patties and I make it like soup. I mean, it, it's got a lot of water in it. If your cat is still drinking a lot of water on top of that, that's a sign. You need to go get some blood work done because increased water consumption, you know, the first thing we look at is is potential diabetes in cats. Um, it can also be hyperthyroidism again. So, yeah, in, increased water intake is a very, very important thing to, to watch out for. What about diarrhea? 
I mean, that's that, that does often come around, and you know, it's caused by lots of different things. I understand, but what what in that do you want to watch for? Um, it, it definitely, you know, monitoring your cat's poop is a is a good thing. As you know, I uh, I suffer from from a degree of OCD, which I have try to effectively channel into productivity. So I scoop our litter box four times a day or more. You know, if I hear somebody going in the litter box and I'm right behind them scooping it. And so I monitor not only the the constitution of the of the poop, but which cat did it. Um, so I'm, I'm watching that all the time. But, you know, diarrhea as a one-time event, not a big deal. If it continues for a couple days, definitely something you need to look at. Now, in in kittens, and, and I suppose older cats, although my exposure with this is kittens because we foster so many kittens from the shelter, but all of the intestinal parasites, the hookworms, the tapeworms, um, and then the bacterias like um, Giardia and um and coccidia and those kinds of things can all cause diarrhea. And those are all common things that they catch. It's very contagious, again, um, in the litter box. And so it's common that, that they come out of the shelter with those things. And, and there are easy treatments for those things. So definitely watch for diarrhea. And if it is persistent past a couple days, you know, go see the vet. Tell them what's going on. They'll want you to bring a stool sample. So just be prepared for that and go ahead and scoop some out of the litter box and put it in a Ziploc bag and take it with you so that, you know, you're not making an extra trip and prolonging a diagnosis there. Another thing to look out for, though, the the flip side of the diarrhea is constipation. So, you know, a lot of times when people call me for behavior issues and they have a cat that's pooping outside the litter box, but it's peeing in the litter box, this is very unusual. And there's not usually a territorial reason for that or a behavioral reason. This, again, associates pain with proximity that cats do. So the cat goes to the litter box and it's straining and straining to go and they're very constipated and it hurts then they begin to associate that pain with the litter box and they seek other places to go. So, um, you know, constipation can be a problem. Now, constipation happens, again, from diet. So if you're feeding that dry kibble, it's likely constipating your cat because it's not getting the hydration that it needs. And then you could have some litter box issues as well as, you know, being hard on your cat. And then the other thing is if your cat doesn't poop at all, you need to be worried about that too because there could be a blockage in there. You know, there could be something that they've eaten, cat toy, something, you know, mouse, I don't know, something gets stuck in there, feathers. You know, they can't digest feathers, but they do chew them off toys a lot. They could have a blockage, which is very, very serious. Um, You know, so if your cat hasn't pooped in a couple days and they're eating, take them to the vet right away odor changes, things like that, that are, um, you know, that are changing, anything that's out of the norm, frequency, 
you know, if you clean your litter box often, which I highly recommend you do, not because I think everybody needs to be OCD like me, but because your cats are fastidious and they appreciate a clean litter box. They just won't use it if they go in there and every corner is full of pee and poop. So and you will learn how many times a day your cat pees. On average, a cat pees about four times a day, and it'll poop at least once a day. So if you see that frequency going up or the amount, you know, maybe all of a sudden if you have clumping litter, you've got clumps, you know, three inches in diameter, and now you've got them six inches in diameter, well, that could indicate something is happening, like diabetes, for instance, because when they have diabetes, you know, or renal issues and any kind of renal issues also, they have an increased water intake, which means an increased expulsion in, in urine. So you'll see they'll, they'll pee more frequently and there'll be a lot there. So anytime you see any of that, um, again, time to take a cat to the vet and get a blood work up and make sure you have none of those things going on. And then there's, you know, and then there's, since we're talking about pee and poop, <clears throat> there's urination outside the litter box, which of course I get called on probably more often than anything else. And the first thing I ask is, have you taken your cat to the vet? Because very likely it's a urinary tract infection or could be renal or kidney issues. And again, a lot of these things stem from diet. If you're feeding dry kibble, you are keeping your cat mildly dehydrated their whole lives. And at some point, that's going to cause a urinary tract infection. And repeated times, that's going to start to cause the kidneys to fail. And you're going to end up with, with renal issues. So I can't, uh, I can't stress enough. Don't dehydrate your cat. Don't feed it baked food. It needs wet food. And a lot of that will, uh, will clear up. So thanks for asking about diarrhea, honey. <laughs> okay, well, let me throw another one at you. What about kitty eyes? What about their eyes? Other than runny nose, I mean, not runny nose, but after uh, runny eyes. <laughs> <laughs> spit it out, spit it out. <laughs> I am trying to. Uh, are there any other detections of, of disease when you're looking into their eyes? Can you find, can you see something occurring? Yeah, a real important one is eye dilation. So when your eyes are dilated, you know, the pupils are really big. So when you look at a cat, you know, a cat's eyes change a lot, much more than ours. They can be those thin almond slits. They almost look like snake eyes when they're in bright light. And when they're in low light, their pupils will dilate and get really big. Well, if their pupils are dilated and they're not constricting back down smaller in light, that could very well be a sign of hypertension, which is high blood pressure. And again, that can be related to kidney disease or hyperthyroidism. So um, blood pressure in cats is a real thing, just like it is with us. They say about 25% of hyperthyroid cats have high blood pressure. And if you let that go undetected and your cat is one of those cats with their eyes dilated all the time, you know, eventually the retinas will detach and, and the cats can become blind. Now, the, the good news is once you get that blood pressure under control, a lot of that is reversible and they'll regain sight. But, but vets can diagnose blood pressure. There's a pediatric blood pressure cuff that a lot of vets use to measure blood pressure in cats. 
Um, so definitely, if your cat's eyes are dilated and they're not going back down, um, pay attention to that and take them to the vet and find out. You know, the other thing too is you see light reflecting in cat's eyes and then you see that white glare in there. The, that can also be reflections off cataracts just very common in older cats just like it's common in older people and then I had a cat I, I mentioned him earlier Indiana um, he was laying on his favorite couch and got up and was meowing and walking around and it, I noticed his eyes were really dilated and you know I, I thought well that's kind of strange I wonder what's going on with him and then he walked into a desk and I was like, oh, my God, he's blind. He can't see. And what happened was he'd had a stroke. He'd actually had a, a blood clot um, release, and he'd, he'd had a stroke. And so anything like that is is definitely something you want to watch for. What about uh, lumps, bumps, and knots? Those, yeah. Those sound terrible. So they, yeah, they've you know, got to be terrible, right? <laughs> you know, in a lot of cases, actually, lumps, bumps, and knots on cats are are not. You know, they're they're innocuous, just like with us. They're skin tags or they're, you know, just little things. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, certainly as I get older, not only does that scale get more broke, but I find more lumps and bumps and knots all over my body that the doctors just go, eh. It's just stuff, you know, it's just age. Well, same thing with cats. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but Tabasco has a, a bump, like a fleshy bump under his chin. And it's common that cats get um, cats get acne like we do, and they can have little bumps under their chin, um, you know, their skin tags. So if you look at it and it's fleshy and it doesn't have a, a head to it, doesn't look like it's, it's not discolored in any way, it's probably okay. But just make a note of it, and the next time you take your cat in, to, you know, for its annual exam, point it out, get the vet to confirm that it's nothing, you know, but then again, if you've got like a a leg swelling or, you know, something like that, that's, you know, bumps and, and knots like the cat I was petting at the shelter, I could clearly tell, you know, there was about a four inch diameter of a of a lump on his side that was gushy, you know, and I knew something's going on there for sure. So, Definitely feel them. Hard to figure out what's going on. You know, something certainly over the radio. You can't tell what's going on with a lump or a bump or not. But pay attention to it and uh, point it out to the vet and and let them uh, rule out any fractures or infections or things like that. And that would be the other thing that I'd watch for in lumps, bumps, and knots. If you have two cats and they're fighting which happens a lot because they are solitary creatures, by the way. But if they're fighting um, and one gets a puncture wound, you know, cats have a lot of bacteria in their mouth and they're susceptible for infection just like we are. So if one cat bites another and they've got a an infection going on, a lot of times you don't know it until it's even ruptured or something like that because it's hidden under the fur. and And it will feel just like that. It'll feel like a lump. So be sure to pull the fur back and look and see what's going on. Again, just like we said earlier, pay attention. Is your cat wincing or swatting or turning around to bite you when you touch that area, indicating that it would be painful? That's also a sign for alarm as well. Wow. Okay. Uh, Here's a very interesting one, which is that we all love to see our cats play and we love to play with them, but what if they have no interest in playtime? 
That seems yeah. like a very obvious, okay, you're sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, sometimes I don't like to play, but <laughs> and I'm not sick. I'm just tired. But yeah, no, I, I gotcha. mean, it, you know, this is this is where you, you see a common thread here, I think, in what I'm saying, is that changes in any normal behavior are so key to what's going on with your cat's physical and emotional state. You need to be super aware of what your cat's baseline is. And that includes its daily rituals, its eating patterns, how often are they coming to you to seek affection, its mobility, you know, can it not jump up onto the counter anymore? You know, its sleep patterns, have those changed? And certainly interest in playtime falls into that category. If they're, if you're doing your prescribed two times a day pray play sessions and all of a sudden your cat's just like, meh, I don't want to do that anymore. Then, you know, and this goes on again, this not just one time, maybe he's just tired that one time. But if this goes on for a couple of days, that needs to be a red flag that, you know, something's going on. You know, in older cats like, you know, like Tabasco, arthritis is inevitable. You know, they live so much longer indoors, you know, than they do outdoors. And they will inevitably get arthritis in their feet and their joints and their legs and their back and things like that. And um, and that causes pain, just like it does with us. And they don't want to move very much. So, and there are treatments, by the way, for arthritis. There's, and here's the one time I will give you some some homeopathic anecdotal stuff. But uh, two things: I think CBD can be extremely effective as an anti-inflammatory. However, you know, I I don't carry one because I haven't developed one or found one yet that I think is quality enough or consistent enough I'm in the process of working on that but what I do carry on our website if you go to catbehaviorsolutions.org there's a behavior boutique and I carry a transdermal anti-inflammatory cream and it comes in single application little tubes and it's lotion-ish kind of it's like a lotion and you put it onto your finger and you rub it on the inside of your cat's ear kind of up on that tip part you don't go deep down into the ear and uh, and it will absorb that way and it's a good systemic anti-inflammatory and i've seen real real results with tabasco with that in his stiffness i mean he he's jumping up and down and he's not you know when they jump down and they kind of go huh? When they hit the ground, that means kind of like, oh, it's like us grunting. So you can tell that there's some pain there. All that goes away when I have him on that. It's called Feline Active, and it's on our Behavior Boutique. I'd say almost every cat over 10 ought to be on that. It's going to be fighting some inflammation in their system somewhere. So definitely, you know, watch for their act changes in their activity level and play and in everything else. And, you know, if they're being real lethargic, you know, something's going on. Time for your vet visit. Yes, it's very important. You mentioned that again, vet visits are important. And I'm not, I, I also need to make a disclaimer. I am not getting a kickback from any vets. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good disclaimer. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, aggressive. Now we talk about aggressive throughout a lot of our uh, this. I mean, so there's different types of aggression that I think we see. But uh, what about your cats suddenly becoming uh, aggressive when they're normally not aggressive? 
Yeah, definitely any kind of emotional changes um, could mean any number of things. Um, You know, cats being suddenly aggressive could be simply they're seeing other cats outside and you're becoming, you or your other cats are becoming the brunt of redirected aggression. That could very well be the case, but it could also be that all of a sudden something is really hurting them and, you know, they act out aggressively often in in pain. So definitely if that happens, be very alert about what's going on in the environment with a cat. I mean, obviously, if you've got a new cat and your cat gets suddenly aggressive, doesn't mean they have pain. It means, you know, they're being territorial because there's a new cat in the environment. Um, But if there's nothing else going on in the environment and you have sudden aggressive happening, um, definitely you need to go rule out any kind of pain or medical issue. And once that's ruled out, then shoot me an email and we'll try to help you get to the bottom of it. So if as we move on, we went back, we were talking about one end of the cat a minute ago where we were talking about diarrhea. But now let's talk about the other end of the cat, an obvious one. When you see your cat vomiting, that usually means that there's an issue and they need to go to the vet right away, right? Lovely. You're bringing up all the lovely topics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, you know, vomiting, in my opinion, is a little less of an alarm than than diarrhea but both of them you know what are we talking about are we talking about twice a day and then it never happens again or are we talking about you know twice a day and it's been going on for four days in a row so the the frequency of the vomiting is something you definitely need to look at but it can be things like again like they've ingested something that they're having trouble Um, breaking down that they're trying to throw up hairballs are the most common because you know cats can't digest or break down hair or feathers and so when they lick themselves with that tongue their tongues look like little microscopic combs and what they're really doing is they're combing their hair they're like you know sometimes especially in the 50s you see boys they lick their hands and then they slick their hair back yeah <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. kind of like that Grease without lightning. their hands <laughs> right yeah yeah like that so they're licking their fur and they're you know they're they're grooming themselves again they're very fastidious so they they do that and side note that'd be another thing is you know if your cat stops grooming pay attention to that but So they're licking it and hair comes off, loose hair comes off on their tongue and they ingest it. Well, they can't digest that stuff. So if you don't give them some sort of, you know, hairball remedy type things that are helping to break that down, that's going to need to come back up in in the form of a hairball. And you'll find those occasionally. And that's not something to be alarmed about. Um, brush your cat regularly. If you have a long-haired cat or a cat that you're noticing is is more of a shedder than another one, brush the cat regularly to help them get rid of some of that loose hair so they're not ingesting it. Another thing that can cause vomiting is, you know, any kind of change in diet. So if you're smart enough to follow my recommendation and you change your cat to a raw, like let's say one of the Vital Essentials freeze-dried patty diets and you don't do it slowly and you do it suddenly, 
your cat may be vomiting and have diarrhea all at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible mess, isn't it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's incredible. So you were talking about hair and hair balls. What about hair loss in your cat? What What can you determine that is a potential issue in hair loss? Yeah, definitely watch for hair loss. As we said earlier, if a cat is is creating what they call hot spots, which are areas where the hair is thinning or, or gone altogether, little bald spots on it, that could be that it's pointing out to you. That's the area I have discomfort. But if your hair, your your cat is just all of a sudden all the fur, and I guess I shouldn't call it hair, I should call it fur because there is a technical difference between hair and fur. But like if it's losing, you know, lots of fur or fur's coming out in clumps, you know, yeah, hey, big red flag. Just like with us, if my hair starts coming out in clumps, you can bet your bippy I'm going to the doctor right away because something's going on. It, it could be as simple as allergies. Um, another thing to watch out for is dander in the hair. So if all of a sudden you notice that your cat's got got dander in the hair, don't give it a bath. You don't need to give cats baths, by the way. That's not the way to fix that. But it's typically associated with, you know, overweight cats because they can't get back there to groom and their skin gets really dry Again, it all probably relates back to feeding dry kibble because then your cat plumps up with all the carbohydrates. It's mildly dehydrated, so its skin is dry. Um, could very well be an indication of diabetes and certainly is an indication of poor health somewhere. So definitely take note of your cat's dander and any kind of hair loss. Yes, I think that that's definitely something we got to look out for from time to time. You see that, you see those clumps of hair and makes you kind of worry about your cat. But let's talk about meowing. I mean, that seems to be a a telltale sign, like a child crying constantly. Uh, If your cat starts that meowing constantly um, and has excess of vocalization, what does that mean? Well, just like with children, it could be attention-seeking. You know, if you have a, um, a kid and you go to the restaurant with your friends and you're not paying attention to your child and then your child starts the screaming and then every time it screams, you reach over and you go, shh, here, let me give you some food or here's your, your passy or whatever, you know, to get it to be quiet. And then what does it do? It screams some more because what does it want? Your attention. Well, same thing with cats. Excessive, you know, vocalization could be, I want your attention. I want your attention. But it could also be that it, it wants something. Could be that it's hungry. Are you feeding your cat often enough? You know, people tend to feed their cat twice a day. And did you know that that is the equivalent of us eating about every second or third day? So it's not enough. You know, cats in the wild will eat nine to ten small meals a day. Now, that doesn't mean that fits with your schedule. So I feed mine four times a day. And and they know when that routine is and when it's time to eat. And sometimes they're really hungry between meals. And I'll give them an extra tweet, treat, tweet. <laughs> I'll give them an extra tweet. <laughs> I get or that tweet. little fresh bird or out of tweak. the can. A tweet. Here's your I'm tweet, tweet. <laughs> tweet, tweet. <laughs> and, uh, so it could be they're hungry. 
But in older cats, if this is a sudden onset of meowing and it's loud, it can very well mean that it's going deaf. There was a cat in the in the Santa Fe shelter recently that had it its eardrums had ruptured and it was so loud. It was just row, you know, row. It it was very loud because just like with people, if you can't hear, you tend to to talk louder. Um so, you know, again, this goes back to change. Is it is it different than it normally is? Or has your cat always meowed a lot? You know, and here's a little interesting fact about meowing, by the way. In the wild, because they are solitary species and they don't live with one another in packs, they don't meow. You know, they they might, they'll growl, they'll yowl is what we call it in mating. But that's different. But they don't meow. They don't communicate with each other that way. They communicate by scent. So meowing is really something that they developed to talk to us. And there's some theories that that the cats actually are mimicking, you know, babies crying because they are really smart, observant animals. And maybe they noticed, hey, every time that baby cries, you go over and pay attention to it. So I'm going to do it too. Meow. <laughs> um, so watch for change. If your cat's always meowed and always like talking to you, there's probably not a thing wrong. But if your cat never says a word and all of a sudden it's like meow, 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 it's trying to tell you something. And it could be that it doesn't feel well. It could be that. And then if they all of a sudden are going, meow, especially in the middle of the night, could be they're getting a little senile, could be they're getting a little deaf. Again, something to, to definitely consider. All right. Um so let's move on uh, for a minute to to another seemingly obvious sign. What about limping? You know, here here we have a if we have a cat that's limping, um, you know, maybe they uh, jumped wrong, maybe they you know damaged themselves in some way. Uh, tell us a little bit about what limping means. Definitely. You know, if a cat is limping, just like us, it means that it's hurting. Something is hurting. It right. just like us, it could be joint pain. You know, right, right. Could right. be a, a a hip problem. Could be a knee problem. Could be something simple like arthritis. Could be something greater like a fracture or something like that. Um, another thing it could be is um, you know a sensitivity in their feet. They could have a a thorn in their pad or a cut on the pads of their feet. It's very important that you condition your cat to being comfortable with you touching its paws. Not only are you going to want to keep the nails trimmed regularly and them being comfortable with you handling their paws is important. And by the way, you can teach that at any age. So don't tell me you've got a seven-year-old cat and it's no longer a kitten. You'll never be able to teach it that. You can, and we can talk about that in a different show. But, um, but there's things that go on with their pads. You know, their pads can be really dry and cracked and, and need like a pad balm or something. Um, their nails can be too long. I, I cut a cat's nails yesterday in the shelter and and the nail had grown into his pad so long that then it had broken off. So there was a piece of the nail embedded into the pad and then the, the nail was still too long. So we, we got the nail cut and then put in a vet check to, to try to have that embedded piece removed out. But definitely check their feet. That'd be the first thing I'd check. Um, you know, feel gently on their feet. Their feet are very sensitive. They have real important scent 
uh, glands between their toes. That's why they claw so or scratch. So be um, be very sensitive and gentle when you're touching their feet. But you know, feel their feet. If you see the cat's limping, take note: is it swollen anywhere? You know, particularly on a on a joint area. Um, try to figure out where the sensitivity is, and then get your cat to the vet and rule out fractures going on. That's that's a good one. Good good advice there. All is all your advice is good, my love. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what about breathing heavy and can't catch their breath? Yeah, that that's an important one. Um, you know, any kind of changes in breathing when cats in the shelter have upper respiratory infections, they often wheeze. You know, you can tell that their their lungs are are full of fluid, and you can you can just hear them wheezing as they're breathing. Um, so it could be something simple like that. If there's shortness of breath, they could be having heart issues. Um, you know, um, could be heartworms. Heartworms is you know people think of heartworms as being in the heart. I think they start in the heart, but then they break off and they go into the lungs. So heartworms is really a condition of the lungs. And like in dogs, dogs are coughing. You know you want to always get an X-ray to rule out heartworms. Well, heartworms are really almost impossible to detect in cats. There is a test. Um, there's an IDEX made text that's the brand people who don't work in shelters that probably won't mean anything to you but it tests for FIV and FELV and heartworms it's a a triple test but it has a lot of false negatives so your cat could take that test and still have heartworms but it doesn't have many false positives so in my mind it's it's worth doing just to rule out heartworms but your vet will be able to advise you on what's going on but definitely if your cat's all of a sudden breathing heavily and can't catch their breath you know go to an emergency vet clinic immediately it's always important to to identify emergency vet clinics near you before you need them know where you're going and where to get your cat to quickly in the case of of an emergency like that you know, something that we're experiencing now with uh, our foster blueberry is seizures. What's your, what's, you know, that's a very scary thing to watch them go through that. I hadn't had much of experience in that. So what what's your take on that? Well, definitely, I, I wouldn't call that a subtle sign of illness. I think that's a, uh, uh, not a subtle, that's a, that is a pretty obvious, in-your-face blatant, something is going on here. And yeah, Blueberry, our foster, had a seizure about three months ago, right after I had applied a topical flea tick um, treatment. And we all just assumed that it was probably a, a reaction to that chemical. But then it happened again, and, and you know, about three months later. So it's been a while later, and, you know, there's no telling what's going on. Again, seizures are very, very difficult, I think, for vets to, to diagnose. It's also not inexpensive to diagnose, and then you got to ask questions about what are the treatments. So what are the possibilities? You know, I've had a reaction to a toxin is a common one, first thing you want to look at. Um, second is there may be a head injury and in Blueberry's case, 
that's probably the case because he came into the shelter with, you know, a fractured hip and buckshot in his spine and, you know, all just all kinds of stuff. The cat was a mess, obviously very neglected and abused and old injuries. So, you know, the fact that he might have had a head injury in the midst of all that would not be surprising to me at all. You know, and I guess there's a form of cat epilepsy, too. Um, not sure what can be done about that, but um, absolutely, if your cat is having a full-on seizure, you know, the the best thing, just like with people, is to, you know, try to get them on their side and let them get through it. You know, notate very carefully what's going on during the seizure and right after it. You know, in Blueberry's case, he's, you know, is, uh, of course, they lose control of their bladder um, and, you know, and sometimes feces and stuff like that when they're in the midst of a seizure, seizure and it looks just like you would expect in people, you know, they, they convulse, you know, a, a lot, very aggressively. And when he's done, he's panting, you know, he's panting and his eyes are very dilated. You can tell his blood pressure is probably skyrocketed. And then he slowly calms down. And then in his case, he's super affectionate for a while afterwards. And this last one, he he lost some mobility. His, he'd had his leg amputated and, you know, his, his tail, when we first got him, he couldn't hold his tail up. And I was really grateful when we finally got him rehabbed to the point that he was a normal cat and his tail was going straight up. Well, after this last seizure, the tail didn't go up any longer. It took him about 12 hours to fully physically recover. So, you know, we're watching that closely. Um, definitely be in contact with your vet if your cat has a seizure. And let them know if you've treated them, um, you know, right before with any kind of topical flea or tick treatment or any kind of medication or any new cleaning products, um, antifreeze, you want to keep that away from cats, anything like that that they might have had access to have that information on hand when you call your vet. You know, there's also, um, there's like a cat poison control you know, uh, center as well. So if you want the link to that, email me and I'll send that to you. Well, we have <laughs> covered quite a bit and we've got a few more things to cover here. Let's talk about the ears. I mean, cats love to be scratched around their ear and around their head. Um, wh- can you find any issue? I mean, what's what do, what do you look for around the ear? Yeah, you want to... Yeah, look at your cat's ears. And by the way, not all cats like to have their ears scratched, but most of them do. Some of them really like it. And you can, you know, rub the ear, like the the top of the ear, the ear skin between your index finger and your thumb. Some of them love that. And some of them like it when you kind of knuckle rub right at the base of the ear and that little little thin hair spot. They love that. Don't stick anything in your cat's ears. But if look in your cat's ears. And they should be clean, should be kind of whitish, pinkish ear skin, and you shouldn't see any debris in there. If you see debris in your cat's ears, like it's usually waxy brown stuff, it could be ear mites. And certainly if there's any discharge coming from your cat's ears, all that stuff you want to go to the vet and and have diagnosed and get treated because it could be as simple as mites. It, it could be, you know, could be an infection going on in there as well. And you don't want him to go deaf and start yowling all the time. So make sure if you see anything weird in your cat's ears, get, him, get it to the vet. Yes. You know, I think from time to time you kind of will – 
you know, pet a cat's ears and they'll shake their head a little bit. And it, it seems like there's something wrong. I know Tabasco sometimes does that. Is there, am I seeing something there or is that just sort of like an itch or um, I'm tickling him? It could just be a tickle in there. It could be a bug got in there, like Dad Bob's bug. <laughs> 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 My dad had he was sleeping in a and this bug, pretty good sized bug, crawled in his ear while he was sleeping Incredible. and he got stuck in there and he had to go to a urgent care and get it out. Oh, it was very ooey. So yeah, I bugs know. can crawl in here. <laughs> so. Sounds like you were in Africa or something and or out in the woods and the bug crawls in your ear. Uh, He's yeah. in his home sleeping. And uh, a bug crawls in his ears. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to swelling. What about uh, swelling that you see in your cat? Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned earlier, if you have a couple cats and, and they get bit, um, you know, swelling can indicate a, an infection going on. Uh, they can get bit by snakes. They can get bit by spiders. They can get bit by a lot of things that'll that'll swell. So... You know, and if you have swelling around a joint, it could be a fracture, could be, you know, severe arthritis or anything like that. So note the area that the swelling is in and, um, and you know, pay attention to swelling in your cat. You should, you should if your cat will let you, <clears throat> excuse me, you should feel your cat, you know, like gently rub your hand up its tail where you can just barely feel each vertebrae in the tail and make sure none of those are out of whack. You know, one day you might find a kink in your cat's tail or something like that. Um, rub your hand down your cat's back. You know, notice how they feel. Rub your hands gently down their legs so that you know, you know, what what your cat feels like and you know when they're swelling. Be, be aware about that. Yeah, swelling, I think, would be, I mean, you think of a snake bite or some kind of bite that would have caused your cat to start swelling up like that. You want to grab a yeah. hold of immediately and get to the vet. Especially so, if your cat goes out. You know, if you have an indoor-outdoor cat, you have no idea what that cat is encountering outside. Could have been hit by a car. Someone could have kicked it. A dog could have bit it. I mean, anything can happen. Snakes. So... Just be, again, be very, very aware of what's normal for your cat. And if you see anything that's abnormal, pay attention to it. Yeah, that that sounds great. And we've had a lot of great information on this episode. Um, what else, Molly? Um, watch your cat's body posture. You know, you can tell how a cat feels by the way it holds its tail. If a cat has its tail down, like almost dragging on the floor, it doesn't feel good, either emotionally or physically. It could be a, I'm not feeling confident in my environment or something is hurting me. Um, I know when Tabasco crouches, you know, he gets his elbows tucked really tight in his stomach and he's sitting, crouching upright. Um I know that he's having some intestinal issues, you know, something, something's not settling just right on his stomach. So pay attention to their body posture. It'll tell you a lot. Temperature is another thing. Cats, cats, body temperatures run warmer than ours. They're 101 to 103-ish range. And when you feel the top of their head, like that area we were talking about where the, the hair is thin in front of the ears and their ears, 
that top of the head area, they should feel warm to you. Warm because we're 98 degrees and they're a couple degrees warmer. But if they feel really warm or really cold, you know, pay attention to that and look at what else might be going on in uh, in addition to that. And then <clears throat> more importantly, prevention. I mean, you know, you can prevent a lot of things from happening. Um, feeding them a healthy diet is the very first place to start. Keeping them indoors so they aren't exposed to diseases and potential injury and, you know, accidents and things like that is important. And the most important of all is take your cat to the vet regularly. I know they don't like it. And I know when you put them in the carrier, they freak out and it's emotional for you and them. And, you know, they pee in the carrier and it gets on the car and, oh, my God, it's this big ordeal. But you can carry or train your cat. Um, you absolutely can. You can click or train your cat, I don't care how old it is, to go into the carrier and to learn that that can be an enjoyable experience. And if you have a kitten, you should be carrying your kitten a lot and taking it on trips where good things happen, treats, stuff like that, so that it gets used to that. You should be handling your kitten in ways that the vet's going to handle it so that it becomes comfortable with those vet visits. Um, and we can do another whole show on that. But but definitely feed them a healthy diet, keep them indoors and away from exposure to things, and take your cat to the vet. Those would be the prevention-wise the things I'd recommend. So I think we've heard that quite a bit throughout this episode. Take your cat to the vet. Take your cat to the vet. <laughs> And no, we are not getting a kickback from any vet, I promise. No, it just, it, it just helps prevent a lot of things in the future and can financially benefit you too because you don't want something that happens all of a sudden and it costs you a lot. It's easier to pay a little bit over time and take your cat to the vet. It It is. I mean, it's it just like with us. You know, it's a whole lot easier to prevent cancer than to go to the expense of treating it you know, once you've got it. So it's just like that with cats, you know, diabetes, insulin shots, all that stuff you're in for, you know, you don't, you don't want to do that to your, your little family member, your furry family member. Um, so just feed them good food to begin with and make sure they're getting plenty of exercise and have a healthy, mentally healthy environment to live in. And there's a lot more podcasts on Cat Talk Radio about how to do all those things. So check those out too, after you That's- take your cat to the vet. That's great. And what a great show, Molly. You did fantastic. You're always good at giving good information. And that's what this is all about is just providing information to try to prevent people from taking their cats to the shelters and trying to save one cat at a time here. So we hope we we can help influence that. And by the way, want to let everybody know that if you're in the Santa Fe, New Mexico area around July 14th or not around, but on July the 14th, uh, Molly will, is is putting on a free seminar, um, and you're doing that at the Animal Shelter right here in Santa Fe, right? Yes, the Santa Fe Humane Society and Animal Shelter in uh, in Santa Fe. It's a free community class, so just come join us. It's a Sunday afternoon, so you got time to sleep in and do your Sunday morning stuff, and then uh, and come join us. And it's it's a good one. This one is really the soup to nuts. If you do everything I cover in this seminar, 
for your cat, your likelihood of having behavior issues are very, very, very small. So it's a it's a good one not to be missed. And hey, if you don't live in Santa Fe and you live in Texas or some other place that's ungodly hot in July, what a great excuse to come out for a long weekend and enjoy the cool summer days and afternoon rains we have here in Santa Fe and uh, and spend an afternoon with me learning great stuff about your cat. Yes, so be sure and drop her an email uh, for details if you're in the area. She will be happy to share where that's at and the location and um, go through any of that. So please drop her a an email at molly at cattalkradio.com. And until then, till our next show, we'd like to say thank you for yeah. listening. And keep calm and purr on. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.